Hello humans, it's your host with the most, Brandon, with episode 39 of Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show, the world's greatest podcast about the world's greatest heroes. They keep coming back, so I'll introduce them. As always, I've got my amazing co-host here with me, Rob. Despite popular belief, I am not Batman. (laughs) Love to hear it. And Josh. Hello humans. This week we've got Catwoman number 30, Nightwing number 79, Flash number 769, and Justice League number 60. Before we get going, I want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you listeners too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot podcast shows at notarobotpodcast.com. So what's new with you guys this week? Oh, man. Hey, Rob, why don't you go first? Because I got, I got quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, just so many new announcements this week. So many exciting announcements oh. coming out of DC. Yes, yeah. let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, no, all my, all my stuff is like like DC Comics announcements. Right. I think, I think yep, Josh and I are probably team. on the same wavelength. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead? All right. Uh, first and foremost, Grant Morrison is returning to Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it is a four-issue miniseries. Oh. But it's Superman and the Authority with a brand new Wildstorm team. Yeah. Manchester what Black. It is. <laughs> yeah. Midnighter, Apollo, Enchantress, Natasha Irons as Steel, I'm assuming. And new versions, apparently, of Light Ray and OMAC. And it is drawn by Mikkel Janin. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, it's pretty stacked. Now, it seems like kind of a a simple story, but knowing Grant Morrison, it definitely can't be. I don't know if you guys heard or not, but the villain is going to be Ultra Humanite. Oh, yeah. And he's putting together a team of supervillains. Yeah. I, I'm if I had to guess, I think it's probably going to be some kind of commentary on like teams like the Authority. Because um, oh, yeah. when I, cause when I, when it was first announced that it was actually like kind of a leak earlier on, they had like a leaked image of Superman and the Authority, like a trade, and it said Grant Morrison and Mikel Hanin, and everyone was speculating it was a a new series or something like that. But I, I just I found it really weird because. Um, for anyone familiar with Grant Morrison, he's not, or has not been in the past, the biggest fan of the Authority, just because their no. their message is kind of like the anti Justice League, and you know he's kind of more of the optimistic side of superheroes, where the Authority can be more hyper violent, that sort of thing. So yeah, I would um, say probably more more accurate would be to call it his stance, anyways, the more the more peaceful. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. So I, I think a Superman-led authority is going to be a completely different reimagining of the team, less violent, more, um, like you said, you know, just just different. Yeah. Well, now the 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 brief brief blurb that I read about it did say that Superman is dumping the Justice League in favor of this team mm-hmm. because it's not Justice League type stuff people are gonna have to really get their hands dirty yeah but is is it an older superman because this one seems to have gray temples well i believe that this is right before or right after 
what we saw in Future State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he is going to War World trying to free people. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of like the prelude to the um, Superman Worlds of War that we saw. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And did you hear the one, two, three, four, uh, five announcements from Tom Taylor? Five? <laughs> I don't even... Five. Yeah, I, I just I remember the big one. I don't know if there's something else yeah. I missed. Well, he confirmed that he's going to be doing a Superman run, right? Yeah. All right, and he has confirmed that he will not be leaving Nightwing anytime in the future. Oh yeah, no, he's 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 like plotted out to a hundred. I heard, which is yeah. very encouraging. Batman the Detective is going to continue all the way through. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's doing Seven Secrets for Boom Studios. The new Neverlanders at Penguin Random is going to continue, and he's got an upcoming surprise uh, Marvel project, and apparently, a whole lot more. Now I'm I'm worried Tom Taylor's gonna drown. I mean he's an amazing creator. And oh no, he'll be fine. Are so engaging. If, but if that's Jeff, a lot of simultaneous. If projects. Jeff Lemire can do like six books, I'm sure he can pull it off. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, Jeff Lemire definitely does do that too. Yeah, but um, you kind of you kind of already said what the next announcement is, but um, yeah, no, the 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 second part of the uh, the new Superman announcements is that Tom Taylor will be. I guess relaunching the Superman book as Superman Son of El, starring the one and only John Kent as the premier Superman of Metropolis. Oh wow. Yeah, so yes. Wow. Be interesting. Oh yeah. So so okay, he's relaunching it with John Kent as the Superman. That's right. And so okay, so we've got Superman, we've got we've got uh Super Regular Superman, we're going to have John Kent Superman, both of those stories working towards future state. We've got the Magistrate in play in all of Gotham. I mean, there are a lot of things going on. Teen Titans Academy, all of that is working. Uh, uh, Black Adam is working toward mm-hmm. uh, what uh, what we all saw in future state. Now, here's something I want to say about Black Adam as compared to everybody else. Black Adam seems to kind of know where he's going to end up at the end of the world, at the end of the everything, you know, uh, compared to, you know, like in reference to what he experienced during his future state story with Diana. Mm-hmm. I think he, I mean, cause he's come back and like, he is, he's a, he's a superhero or at least he seems to be. Yeah. Definitely more heroic than he's so, been uh, Yeah. For sure, man. Definitely not a terrorist. He's got yeah. he's still got a, a a short temper for sure. But I think I think he may know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I think him and uh, and Etrigan are in the same boat. Where at the end of uh, you know the Justice League Dark Future State story that we had, um, you kind of have a an, an Avengers Infinity War moment where Doctor Fate sends Etrigan back, essentially with the knowledge that he's learned about this future timeline yeah so i think i think they're two of them are kind of in a similar position where they're basically trying to uh position everything in a way where it doesn't end up in that that you know horrific future state timeline oh wow that's two totally different yet somewhat related aspects of the dc universe that could really pull the whole thing together wow that's pretty cool hey way to go dc yeah yeah it looks like it's uh it's all tied (laughs) yeah 
I mean, let's hope that they uh, let's hope they pull this off because this sounds super intriguing now that we've all oh, laid yeah. it out in front of us. <laughs> uh, hey, Rob, you usually keep track of that round robin tournament. I know it's in the penultimate bracket. What's going on with it? Yeah. So before we get to that, I, actually, there was one more reveal that I think kind of came in under the radar. Uh oh. That I'm not sure if you guys heard about. Uh, a about. new book from Dan Jurgens. Oh yeah, no, I saw oh, yeah. that. Yeah, long overdue, I'd Sook. say. Oh wait, by Ryan Sook. Yeah, yeah. Blue and gold, eight issue mini. Yeah, oh, very dude. fun. Yes, he's bringing them back. It, if ever there's a writer that can write blue and gold, it's Dan Jurgens. Yep. I'm so happy that he's back on these. He's never gonna let them go, and I hope he never does. <laughs> no, I, I doubt he will. Um, I, but, uh, I definitely. Definitely long overdue, I say, because uh, they definitely oh, yeah. have the comedic energy to have their own book. Yep, and there's there's diehard fans of that particular version of Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. you know, and Cord just doesn't kind of fit into most modern stories. You know, he he's kind of left out. He's been kept up on like a shelf for a while. Somebody somebody looked like him in the suicide story, but I mean, other than that, no, that was that wasn't even him. That was Maxwell Lord. Yeah. He just has he's just kind of been thrown to the wayside. So, all right. So now for the round robin, a bit of a surprising outcome based on what we talked about last week. So what I didn't realize is there's the polls on Twitter, but there's also polls on Instagram, and there's polls on the DC Universe app. Yeah, the the DC Universe app just opened up this week, though. This was the first week that those people were allowed to vote. Everything else has occurred from social media. Well, those other two very much swung the votes away from what we saw on Twitter because Zatanna lost to Green Lanterns. And uh, Superman and Lois lost to Suicide Squad 7. Yeah. You're crazy. I, I knew the Jesse Quick one wasn't going to make it, which was unfortunate. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I was surprised so, to see the Superman Lois one lose to Suicide yeah, Squad. Me 7. too. I thought that one was a lock. Well, you had you really had Superman and Lois match. TV fans versus Suicide Squad movie fans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which I guess there's more movie fans. Surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> considering how the CW show is going and considering how the last movie was. Right. <laughs> So now going into the semifinals, we have Green Lanterns Underworld on fire going up against Robins. Yeah. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. Yeah, Blue no. Beetle Graduation Day up against Suicide Squad 7. I think both of those, unfortunately, are quite clear. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Robins It'll be versus ro- Blue it... Beetle. Oh, no. <laughs> that... <laughs> I would love for it to be Green Lanterns versus Blue, Be- Blue Beetle. Yeah, me too. But I, I, as much as I would love that, I definitely see Robins beating out Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be round. It's gonna be Robins, and then I think it's gonna be Suicide Squad Seven. Because keep in mind that these aren't just comic book fans. These are. It's open to everybody on social media. Everybody out there gets a vote, and there's gonna be way more fans of the Suicide Squad than there will be of Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have yeah, to see. We'll see how it goes. Yep. But any any other news you guys want to share? That's all no, I got. I, yeah. I mean, Brandon, you said it all along. Uh-huh. Or, well, you you've been fairly certain that we've 
are going to get a Robin's book. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty confident. And you know, it sounds like it's just going to be a mini series. So at least it's not a new ongoing, but even still, I, I really wish that a book like green lanterns or, um, even, you know, blue beetle could have a chance. Right. I, I, I said it before, but I was just like, it's a, it's a sad state where we literally have to rely on a competition to get a blue beetle book, but <laughs> Well, I guess right. we're getting the new blue and gold title, so there's that. But um, yeah, but it's a yeah. different blue beetle. Yeah, no, it's, I love it, Jaime Reyes. Yeah, no, to get a solo yeah. Jaime Reyes, we have to kind of you know bet on it essentially. Right. All right, guys out there. Well, you can find the descriptions for the books still at the DC Universe website, and like we mentioned before, you can vote not just on Twitter at DC Comics, but also on the DC Universe website at dcuniverse.com, and uh, so vote a whole bunch for Blue Beetle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and with that, let's uh, let's get started with the book. So our first book this week comes to us from the sneaky cat thief of Gotham City. Rob, give us all the details on Catwoman number 30. All right, so this one's coming from Ram V, writing. Art by Fernando Blanco, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Tom Napolitano. So the Riddler has been saved. Almost as soon as he wakes up, Selina starts pressing him for information. He spills about the drug's potential manufacturing location, so Selina and gang go to investigate. Selina suits up as Catwoman and tracks two trucks leaving the facility Nigma spoke of. After breaking into them, she does not find much to work with, but is spotted exiting. She takes out the car of guards, but the trucks get away. They regroup and head to the facility to find any evidence, but not much is to be found. They are approached by a mysterious man that tells them Ivy was taken to the home of Sidhart Roy a very rich art collector and previous owner of the facility's contents. This man also knows Selena's identity as Catwoman. He gives her the means to get into a party Mr. Roy is hosting, and with a costume change, she arrives dressed to the nines, ready to investigate. This is a very fun one, I think. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful art. Yeah, it Really was. gorgeous art. Seriously. Yeah. It, did it feel like, I mean, it's got like a grimy noir feel to it. it. It has since Ram V took over. Oh, yeah. And this was, this was awesome. Blanco oh, yeah. and Belair, that's a great team. Yeah. I really dig it. Wonderful. And they yeah. work really good with the style. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a really interesting take on Catwoman, I think. Um, mm-hmm. really digs into, like you said, the grimy noir themes, but also, you know, you have your superhero action, and that's that's definitely pleasant as well. Um, yeah, the superhero action, but it's 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 reluctant superhero action. Yeah, and she's, you can tell she's kind of um, she's not handling the fact very well that she no longer has Bruce as a resource. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm I'm really kind of digging this uh, this Father Valley character. I, I always find it interesting when you yeah you That's try and incorporate some of these newer Gotham villains, and they have a, a real unique spin to them. Yeah. See, now mm-hmm. in the very beginning, when this guy came on the scene, I I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about all that. But he has his weirdness. His uniqueness has made him stand out and just made him very interesting. Like Rob said, he's just really interesting as a bad guy. And he's he's stalking Selena Kyle, but every time we see him, except for I think once, he's he's nowhere near Selena Kyle. Yeah. 
That's it's it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know, what else is interesting is how much Ram V loves puns. I love them, <laughs> so when I read them, oh. I can't help but chuckle. Oh, um, gross. There was those little. There was the little ones about uh, on the last page about uh, stealing the dude's possessions. You know where she's. You know, obviously that's what she's really there for. But the uh, pseudonym that she gave, Madame Lafalin, in mm. French, Lafalin means the feline. Yeah. Catwoman. <laughs> I love that shit. It's awesome. Oh my god, I didn't even catch that. And I took French in school. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Don't tell your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, just just like you were saying, Josh, about this whole noir aspect as well. I'm loving the mysterious, like I, I mentioned, the mysterious man, just mysterious characters showing up, just like dark, tall, mysterious people that mm. just in the shadows really gives it that noir feel. Mm-hmm. I'm loving that. Even the lit cigarette that he's got as well is just oh yeah, brilliant. It really is, dude. And I do have a bit of a theory going into this. It's a bit far-fetched, but, you know, it's written by Ram V. Poison Ivy's involved. Lay it on me. What are the chances, do you think, that we could see Ram V's other book right now, Swamp Thing, doing a little bit of a step on over to this book for a stint? Well, I think Ivy's going to be in either the next issue or the fourth issue. I was just looking at the covers, and it might be Ivy, it might be someone else, but I, I think it is. If you if you look up the Swamp Thing number three or number four, um, it shows you a couple of characters from the green, and I think uh, one of them yeah. might be Ivy. I, if he's crossing over his two books, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. And if you're seeing other aspects of the green there, I just, I automatically get hopeful that they will reestablish the parliament. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would be oh, nice. That'd be great. All right, gentlemen, final scores? 8.5 all the way, for sure. No oh, yeah. argument, hands down. Yeah, I give this an 8 myself. It's just a fantastic read. Yep, I was feeling an 8 <clears throat> out of 10 on this one myself. Definitely super, super solid. Yep, yep. Yep, yep. Up next is a tale from another corner of Gotham as we go to the rough and tumble city of Bloodhaven in Nightwing number 79. This it's issue. Not Bloodhaven. <laughs> it's Bloodhaven. Bloodhaven. I'm sorry. My, my German isn't quite Blue up to notes. scratch. Also, I couldn't get the, the umlaut to work in my notes, so. You know. It I'm, I'm reading it, I'm reading it as up. Bloodhaven right now. Um. <laughs> But yeah, this issue was brought to us by the killer team of Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo, Adriano Lucas, and Tom Napolitano. After some reflection on a life filled with change, family, and above all, having that special person or people in your life who catch you when you fall, Mm. Dick struggles with what to do with his newfound portrait. After some pizza, helping the homeless eat some pizza, and more talk with Babs, Dick, in true Nightwing fashion, gets his wallet pinched, while Babs naturally gives him shit for it. In an alley, (laughs) one of the homeless gets his heart ripped out by a mysterious new villain, which is sure to bring something nasty for Nightwing. After tracking the kids before they steal the wallet of a fierce mobster from Dick's past, that being Boss Maroney, Nightwing knocks out Maroney's goons and follows the kids to a homeless camp. Heartbroken, he lets the kids keep the wallet and heads back to Babs. 
Reflecting upon the state of the city and his own life, Dick knows exactly how to spend his cash by being the safety net for a city without one. Um, okay, here are my thoughts in no particular order. It's going to be very scattershot, but I have a lot of them. Uh, All right. Dick Grayson is such an amazing human being, and if you haven't fallen in love with this guy after this issue, you're absolutely insane, and I don't want to speak to you anymore. Um, <laughs> Night, hey, look, Nightwing <laughs> is Batman with a heart, basically. Yes, he's he's like such a, a sweetheart and so human in this. It's like I, it would be painful for me not to empathize with him. Um, yep. But Dick being a man of the community just makes such perfect sense to me. Like he's been in, in Bloodhaven, forever um he should totally be like a man of the community if he came into wealth and it reminds me for for anyone who's super familiar with nightwing um when dick became a police officer just for a little bit so he could kind of help out people in his neighborhood um yep. and kind of you know steer them out of violence um but to talk about the art for a little bit bruno redondo is someone who is absolutely excellent on suicide squad and he impresses me more with every single issue uh, the double-page spread of Nightwing in motion where he's kind of moving across before he slaps away the gun from Boss Maroney's goon is just oh, absolutely yeah. incredible. And, like, they've done spreads of, you know, Dick in motion before, um, but I, like, I, I never get tired of them. They're just so excellent, and I love action shots like that. Um, it's, it's gorgeous, man. Yeah. And then um, I, I wrote this specific point because I really wanted to talk about it, and it's something that I've thought about for a long time and it's it's so great that i can finally confirm it uh the bat group chat that's something that i've had in my head canon for like so long and now it's confirmed and taylor just made me appreciate him like 10 times more and i wrote this little thing i call it my bat group chat theory time so just just bear with me for like the next minute and a half okay oh, so yeah. ahead, my man. my theory is dick created the chat um, and he sent like a little message just saying something like, hey, guys, you know, this is a great way for us to communicate when we're all kind of busy doing our own stuff or we're not all in Gotham City when the city is falling apart. And then he sent that text and Babs probably liked the text. Like, you know how you can do on your iPhone? You can like heart the text or give it a thumbs up. Oh. Um, Jason definitely said something like rude and obscene. Said, this is so <laughs> stupid. Why would you send this? Tim probably thanked Dick like in the group chat, but he secretly texted Jason about how corny it all was. Damien, I'm almost 100% certain, said something about how this is a waste of time for the son of the bat, but still proceeds to send texts every now and then because he still loves Dick Grayson. And, and occasionally then, a meme. Yeah, and occasionally a meme. And then Babs <laughs> mentions that Cass sends a ton of emojis, which, again, I'm 100% certain of this, but Steph... Stephanie Brown, spoiler, taught Cass how to send emojis, and that's why the both of them, like, spam them. That's how I imagine it. Um, right. And then my, my final theory... Because they have done that in other comic books. Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. And then my final, my final aspect of the theory is that Bruce isn't actually in the Bat Family group chat, but Alfred is, um, which is how <laughs> oh, he kind of stays uh, in the loop, like... Only, only about some of their stuff. Alfred knows how to be a bro. Like, he'll keep some of the really harsh stuff a secret. But, like, every now and then, Bruce knows that Alfred's a part of the chat, and he'll kind of, like, ask him to check in. I mean, Alfred's not with us anymore, but, but my, my headcanon is that they've had this for, like, a long time. So I will agree with you, except I think that Alfred was a part of every single chat. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, all of them never hid anything from Alfred 
because he was the he honestly for the Bat Family he was the failsafe. Yeah, no, that's that that's kind of what I was saying. Like when they set up the group chat, they all collectively were like, "We gotta have Alfred in this thing." Yep. Yeah, but, I love that Nightwing is a billionaire now, man. I mean, yeah. he's in a place where he can actually do something, maybe on a much less grander scale than Bruce did in previous stories, like mm-hmm. rebuilding Gotham and all that. But I actually think Nightwing with the money would be more effective. Oh, yeah, for it, sure. It, it looks like he's aiming it at people instead of the city. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's someone who would definitely like, work with the community, not just is kind of distant occasionally or you know, will give a speech or whatever, but he's... Like I said, back when he was a, a cop, he's someone who will work directly with neighborhoods and, and really be a part of them and, and you know help out when he can. But um, right. thank you it's both so- <laughs> for indulging me with my stupid bat group chat theory. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I spent I enjoyed like it. an hour <laughs> thinking about that, and I was just like, I got to talk about this. Hey, now listen. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever seen the, the ones that get shared around on uh, social media? Where they're like superhero group chats. Oh, I've not. Oh, oh God, yeah. You have Those to look that up. Just Google when you, when we get done with the show, or anybody <laughs> out there listening, go ahead and Google yourself some superhero texts, and oh my God, you'll have a great time. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah. it is. It's um, given how much we've been gushing about Nightwing, I want to say make it clear that we know this isn't a real person. It's just where his character progression has led him to be written like oh yeah but but i mean he really is he's like like i said earlier he's batman with a heart basically yeah yeah he can he can he can match him on nearly any level and he's got emotions yeah hell he he was batman twice actually exactly yeah and Um, i i I think it is super fitting that his new villain is named heartless yeah yeah it's kind of the antithesis of who nightwing is and kind of my, my my final thoughts were really just you know that Dick is such an amazing hero and an amazing human, um, and really, it's hu- really it's his humanity that shines in this issue, um, which definitely highlights him as one of the pillars of empathy in the DCU. So, um, yeah, it, in case it wasn't clear, I had such a great time with this issue. I mean, I know I'm biased towards Nightwing, and I, I think I made I a joke. Too. I made a joke that like it's hard for me to give any of his issues lower than an eight out of ten. But like even 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 if you're not the biggest <laughs> fan, um, I, I still think this is just such a great um, issue and and such a great continuation of uh, Tom Taylor's run. So I'm I'm having a great time. Um, but yeah, any any final thoughts from you guys? Everything you said and <laughs> everything that we all said before, it it is a hundred percent awesome. It is 100%. You do not have to be a Nightwing diehard fan to enjoy oh, yeah. this. This is a comic book issue that you could literally pick up, mm-hmm. never reading comics before, and jump right in, and it's going to be a great story. That much I can promise you. And oh, yeah. on that alone, you know, plus Redondo's gorgeous art, uh, 9 out of 10, man, all the way. Maybe, you know what? Uh... Let me think here for a second. Yep, I'm going to go ahead and bump that up to a 9.5. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. My my final score for this one was an easy 9 out of 10. It was just such a great issue to read. Um, and I think one of the reasons that, like, I really loved the last issue, but there were, there were moments where it was a little lukewarm for me, and I think I realized yep. what it was. It wasn't necessarily because the story. It was because 
we had gotten like three different previews of that issue, so I'd basically already read like 70% of it. So nothing was really a surprise <laughs> when I finally got to finish right. it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I had a great time. Really great time. And if we're going to say anything about Bruno Redondo's art, we have to at least acknowledge Adriana Lucas's colors. Oh, yeah. For sure. They are gorgeous. Yes. That's one of his the things that really are. makes a book for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's not... It's it's colors that bring the moody vibe to Blue Haven without feeling overindulgent. Yeah. Yeah. It might speak to me on a, a deeper level as well being bisexual and and most of those colors are the bisexual flag oh yeah 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 and and, <laughs> and, and it just it's it, it just jumps out at me every time but even beyond like the lighting alone is just insane well it's interesting that you raise that point because i know that um dc is doing the uh pride month covers and i'm wondering if you're going to to try and pick up that um that special nightwing pride cover I, I re I re kind of <laughs> posted it on my my personal um, Instagram story because it was just such oh, a great I, illustration. I definitely want to. It's a beautiful cover. Yeah, but um, yeah. Um, final scores. I know we kind of already said them. Yeah, this is also a nine out of ten for me. I I really want to give it a nine point five. Yeah. I I think I might do the same actually. Yeah, it's just a fantastic book. I mean, I rated it a 9 originally just because I don't like to hand out such glowing scores for absolutely no reason. And thinking back about the issue, and I'm looking at it while we're talking about it, and we're all talking about it, I'm like, this is damn near a 10. Yeah, I know. I just, like, I honestly think this was a a better issue than the last one. And even though I I enjoyed that one, even though it was kind of spoiled for me, like, this issue really was like, if you're not reading this book, you need to be reading it now. Even if you're not a big fan of Nightwing, you will be one by the time you finish it. I can guarantee that. Or your money back or something. No, no money back. Just take <laughs> it. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll buy a copy for you just to prove my point. Um, right. But yeah. All right. Next, we're moving out of Gotham City and into the 31st century with Flash number 769. Josh, tell us all about Flash number 769. You want me to tell you everything about it? Tell me everything. Nah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But um, all right. So we got Jeremy Adams writing and art on the inside by David Lafuente and Brandon Peterson. And on the outside by Mike Atea. I love him and Louis Guerrero. Steve Wan's on that letter, and the art. I'm I'm starting this off with a uh, with a commentary about the art, man. The mm. art, the shading, the inks. Um, I don't think I've made it any secret here that this particular style is just not to my taste at all. Mm. But somehow they make this shit look amazing, mm-hmm. and the coloring is just as good. I guess let's hear what I have left to say about the rest of the <laughs> issue. Uh, from last issue, Wally is still trapped in the Speed Force, jumping through bodies as he jumps through time. That's kind of offered as a reveal here, but we all knew that during the last issue. Now we know there's a problem with a giant Dominator. The Speed Force is sick and full of holes, and it's up to Wally to fix it, naturally. And that's why he's being pulled everywhere, slingshotted through time. And it's to plug up each of these holes in the Speed Force. 
So meanwhile, in our time, Barry and Mr. Terrific are looking for a way to rescue Wally, and they are able to keep in touch with him with their cell phone from Speed Force Wireless. That was funny as hell, guys. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just sorry. It just kind of it kind of went over my head for a second. Lightning fast speed. Yeah, I know. The joke came at lightning fast speed. Oh, that was a pun. No, I'm just kidding. We love you, Josh. Boom. <laughs> love you guys too, man. All right. Funny part in here is about how Barry doesn't have a secret entrance to his hideout in the Flash Museum. It's kind of cool that they worked on that. That's how Barry finances all of his shit. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Barry doesn't have one because he usually just runs in fast enough that nobody sees him. But uh, he doesn't have powers now, so that's not very helpful. And as many times as Barry has lost his powers before, that just seems like a really stupid mistake for a very <laughs> smart man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gold Beetle is there for the whole issue, and we get quite a bit of them. Uh, she is only in it for this issue, though, because she's left behind when Wally leaves. Now, before he does, he whispers something to Gold Beetle, but you don't have any idea what it is. It's just some scribbled line. It shows what era of time Wally ends up in with a splash page of it, and man, is it pretty to look at. But, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's got crazy wicked inks and shading and colors, man. It's gorgeous. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an unfavorable time period to go to. Let's just say that. <laughs> Wally had it kind of easy in this issue. It doesn't look like it's going to be the same way next issue. I loved it for both the characters and the art story. I'm just waiting to see where it goes, man. Uh, Wally hasn't been treated so nicely in the past, right? So oh, yeah. I'm like literally only partially cautiously hopeful. But... Okay, so like there's a lot of action, but there's very little that actually happens here. And nothing that really moves the story along at all, except he gets slingshotted through time at the end of it. Mm -hmm. That's what's been wrong with the Flash book for the, like the past five fucking years, and I'm so <laughs> sick of it. Where nothing so, happens. The, yes. So like, <laughs> because of that, it's it, it affects my score, and I can't help that, but... Uh, it, it had amazing art. It really did, and I I want to read great stories by Jeremy Adams. Yeah, yeah. No, I I definitely agree. And um, I mean, I know for me, one problem that I had with some of the previous stuff in the Flash, and I think we kind of talked about this in a, in another episode, was that they would kind of um, introduce new things and then just not really do anything with it, and it never really felt like anything was of substance or consequence it just kind of was over and done with like when we were when we were finished like the and negative speed force what, what was that the negative speed force all of the the, the forever force the still force, yeah. the strength force all of that see this is this is <laughs> rant time uh, how, love it how, how long was joshua williamson on the flash title for oh, a good few years wasn't yeah that? almost Five almost years, four, four or five years, I think. Yeah, almost five years, right? Okay, so he spent almost five years on a title, introduced all kinds of good ideas, all kinds of really good ideas, and didn't land a single one. Not one did he land. So they literally went to him and said, you know what? Here's the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> you t you 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 take over Infinite Frontier. You give everybody the direction they need to go in. That's what he's doing right now in DC. That's insane. 
Yeah, I mean, I it's funny. I was in kind of a similar place that, that you were because I was kind of only exclusively reading Flash and I was frustrated that um, it felt like nothing of import. It felt like it was constantly building towards something that never actually happened. Um, right. And and I, I, I kind of had some problems with the dialogue too, but that might have just been a personal thing. Um, nope, nope. I thought it was always cheesy as hell. Yeah, yeah. It would just it would be kind of corny, and I and I was like, I don't know about this this guy, this Joshua Williamson fellow. Um, but I think for me, it was. I think he kind of operated in a better place, even though he's apparently a huge fan of the Flash. He kind of was in a better place when he wasn't writing the Flash, at least for me. Um, Williamson because, himself. Yeah, Williamson himself, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, I don't know I don't know what it is with the Flash, but he just eh. Yeah, I think it's just I mean, he kind of gets the characters, but I just don't know about his stories. It just felt lackluster in in some parts of the Flash. There are still some that I I can look back and say, "Oh, I kind of enjoyed that, like um Running Scared and mm-hmm. um Oh, the one with Grodd. I don't even remember the name. That's not well, a good sign. I don't sign. remember the name of the. I don't um, remember the name of it either. But that, it, that one was okay. Yeah, I, I had fun with that one. Um, and um, what was it? Um, Rogue's Return and Flash War. Those are like the four that I was like, okay, these ones were like I, I had a decent time with them. Um, but other than that, like I said, and I think those were probably just because they were mostly standalone. But yeah, other than that, like I said, it just it never. It felt like it was building towards something that never really happened. Um, but and everything was inconsequential. Like at the very end of Williamson's shit where they were like, okay, we're attached to the speed force, but we can't mm. use our speed powers because then we'll make shit explode. Yeah. Except when it's convenient for the story <laughs> yeah. to be able to use your speed, then you can go ahead and do it. Yeah. Yeah, it just it felt, it felt very strange. Um, but... Yeah, getting back to this this issue in particular, I'm hoping that um, you know they they really take the time to kind of give it a sense of importance and a sense of story that isn't just like I said things just kind of happening aimlessly. Because um, I know I'd get really bored of that quickly, um, and I, I don't know I don't know if you felt the same way, Rob. I honestly I'm getting hints that hopefully that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And just with all the stuff that Gold Beetle was saying, I know that's just, like, harmless fun with just, like, dropping hints towards the future and and the Skeet Spot. I can't remember what she called them. Beats. Her version of Skeet yeah. Beats. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Beats. Huh. Um, just constantly telling her, no, 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 don't say that. And I think a lot of that stuff with her saying that you know she's met Wally before and she was on a team with him and he led her with through some stuff maybe that's going to show up later on and this is actually going to have kind of its own good continuity and gold beetle is going to be one of like the star players in this book and with this Wally centric book we're actually going to have some uh substance I, I hopefully you're right i do see building blocks being put in place but that, again, that's something I've seen for five years now. Adams is not Williamson, so fingers crossed there. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, as far as I'm concerned, we just gotta wait and see. Seven point two five from me. 
Yeah, I ended up giving this one a, a 7.5 as well. Um, like I said, I, I had fun, especially some of the back and forth between Gold Beetle and Flash. Gold Beetle, Gold Beetle is, a, is a really fun character, um, and, yes. and I would very much like to see her kind of coming back to the Flash on occasion. Um, but yeah, like you said, not, not a ton happened, didn't really progress the story outside of saying things that we kind of already knew while he's sliding through time, and that's about it. Um, so yeah, yeah, 7.5 for me. All right, you know what I want? I want a six-issue miniseries about Gold Beetle where the first issue is kind of like her origin story or all six just have kind of like flashbacks to her origin story, but it's the time period leading up to where she met Flash. Mm-hmm. This time. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Hell yeah, it would. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I'd almost enjoy the character. I'd just love her to have her own book, miniseries, or ongoing, or whatever, but I almost don't want to see an origin story from this character. Just have it as that kind of mysterious, fun character that just pops up now and again, and is just a, mm. a fun little person. Yeah. I mean, I'd be okay with that, but at the same time... I feel like I've railed on creators like Bendis for so long because they do that so repetitively mm-hmm. that it, it makes me hesitant to endorse it with other creators. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to encourage that kind of behavior. Yeah, yeah, you definitely... If, if you're going to do something like that, you, you need a pretty strong uh, creative team to see it through. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, final scores. I know, we, like I said, we kind of already said some of them, but... 7.25. Um, yeah, I'm giving this an 8.5, mostly for Gold Beetle. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I love the... It was just a lot of fun for me. Yeah, no, like I said, 7.5 for me. Not not bad, not necessarily great, just kind of right there in the middle. Um, finally, let's see what the world's greatest super team has for us this week in Justice League number 60. After that, we'll check in on those mystical misfits in our second story featuring the Justice League Dark, but... First, Rob, could you walk us through the main story of Justice League number 60? Gladly. This comes from everyone's favorite writer, Brian Michael Bendis, <laughs> with art by David Marquez, uh, colors from Tamara Bonvillain, <laughs> and letters by Josh Reed. So, Black Adams arrived to interrogate Naomi about Brutus and his attacks, having figured out the same connections the League has. Superman interrupts his questions with a beautiful spearing tackle, and after comparing notes, the three of them head back to the Hall of Justice to get everyone on the same page. Superman wants Adam to join the League on this mission, but the rest of the League has issues with that choice. Before a proper decision is made, Brutus attacks again, this time in Central City. When our heroes arrive, they find Queen Hippolyta alone. She explains how Brutus arrived on Themyscira, but the Amazons were able to push him back. He teleported to Central City, and she followed him, but got away again. Realizing how dangerous this can get, the League decides to head to his world, Naomi's homeworld. Flash modifies his cosmic treadmill to send the League there, but he has to stay behind to power it. When they arrive, the League is scattered, and Naomi finds herself stranded alone. So... I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> Alright. It's it's interesting, but uh, st- it's still lacking the personality. It, well, it's okay. So, flat out, I don't know what's going on here. It doesn't make any sense. But the plot, the plot is there. 
There's character building. There's different personalities and different voices for each of these characters. There's not a gajillion narration boxes everywhere. Yeah, which is nice. Are we sure that this isn't someone just using Bendis' name? <laughs> I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah, it's, it's surprisingly... Got... Yeah, it feels surprisingly... I mean, there is a lot of chatter, don't get me wrong. And there, there are definitely a couple moments where I was just like, cut that out. Like, leave that. You don't need that there. Like, yeah, there's one sure. scene in particular where they're just they're standing around talking, um, getting caught up. And I think one of the characters, or I think Naomi asks, like, hot girl, if there's anything going on between Black Adam and Hippolyta, which would have been kind of a funny moment. But then you have this random bubble from Aquaman that's just like, oh, the people are here. And it's like, you don't need to put that because it just yeah, clutters, it place. clutters the page and it like yes. breaks the flow. Because then you're basically, you have Naomi asking the question, um, Hot Girl kind of answering, and then before you get to the final answer from Hot Girl, you have to, like, read, like, the way that your eyes move, you have to read the thing from Aquaman and then go to the final joke. Otherwise, it's just, like, chaos. So there, right. there were a couple well, moments. chaos anyway. Yeah, there, there, were, there were a couple moments like that where I'm just like, you can leave, the, you don't need to have them say something. In fact, it would have been funnier if you just had, like, a background shot of Aquaman waving to the people for some random reason. Exactly. But, yeah, no, that, those were kind of my only, like, quirks with it. Uh, otherwise, I found the story to be surprisingly more solid than I, uh, I had anticipated, at least for I me. Know. I don't know why. Okay. I, I the, find it interesting, yeah. but I just... The, he's still missing, like, the the character ideas. Really, what you said about Aquaman, I think that's very out of character for him compared to what we got from anybody else right it's well for me it's like it's not even that it would have been totally out of character because i i I honestly don't hate the idea of a bit more jovial aquaman it's just like you don't need to have them all speak at once you could have just had you already have the separate panel where aquaman's going up to sign the the shit from the children you don't need to have him say something every single time background gags can be just as funny as yeah. Like you having something, someone trying to say something, and it just kind of clutters the page. Agreed. Who but. jokes aside about who's writing this? Before I finish <laughs> my rant about Bendis, uh, let me say that David Marquez and Tamra Bonvillain make this issue look really, Definitely. really oh, yeah. super good, man. Oh, this this is really nice to look at. Yeah. You take mm-hmm. Bendis completely out of it. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, no. no <laughs> Marquez was like such an amazing talent over at Marvel. So I was super stoked when they like first announced that he was doing stuff at DC. Yeah. For um, sure. Batman, Superman with Josh Williamson. And um, I like, I'd really wanted to see him do a Justice League book. And now it's here because he'd been doing covers for a little bit. Um, yep. And like, you know, he finally gets the chance to do it. And, you know, like I said, the story has its moments. It's, it's, I think it's like I said, it's it's solid for me, but there's still those those quirks that are just it's annoying. Where it's like, and it's, it was the same problem I had with Young Justice, where it's like any exactly tension that you may have, any any genuinely funny moments that you might have are ruined or just deflated by the constant need to have everyone say something. Yeah, not just everybody say something because he. I feel like he doesn't want to leave any character out ever. Yeah. But it's also that latter dialogue that he's so guilty of. Yeah. You know what you could have said in three word bubbles, he stretches out to seven. 
Yeah. So there's that. And then what I noticed in this story, at least for me, man, was we get the same kind of slow-ass story progression that it smells of the same dismal progression that we saw in his Wonder Comics imprint and the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, it was definitely slow in points. And I and I 100% agree with you on the, um, like, cut down some of the stuff. Because, oh my God, you, like... This is what I'm talking about, where it's like there are just scenes that are so guilty of it. Like there's one scene that I remember where it's like they're basically saying, um, like, we're, we're going to go to the, the realm, the other universe that Naomi's from, and we want you to come with us. And Naomi's just like, wait, me? You want me to come? He's like, yes, you just fucking said that. Like, I already know that. <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> like, yes, you. Exactly. Who the hell oh, else are you shit. talking about? I know you're going to clarify the point, but it's like, you're literally standing right fucking there. We know we're talking about you. <laughs> right? Come the hell on, man. I mean, I guess we will see how this one ends up faring, but mm. already it's showing just trademark Bendis handling. And I'm curious, but I definitely am not. I don't have high expectations at all. Like, I barely have low expectations. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll say it again. I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think there are points where there, there's an underlying solid story. Like, I like the idea of maybe trying to reform a Black Adam and, and trying to grow out the League so it feels a bit more humane, especially given everything that happened in Dark Knight's Metal. And even trying to incorporate some of the stuff from the Naomi solo book could be interesting, but it's just, again, it's like, Anytime I try and get invested in that, anytime I try and really follow it, it's just like I get distracted by all the other shit that's going on. It's exactly. so annoying. It's, yeah. it's beyond annoying. Yeah. It really takes away from the comic book. And yeah. I can't figure out how any publisher, let alone DC, could possibly think that that's a good marketing idea. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... It's kind of a lose-lose situation where it's like you don't want Brian Bendis to abandon his style because then it's not his style. Like, for all its faults, for everything that's wrong with it, it is, you know, it is his style. It's, it's, it's unique with quotation marks around that word in a way. Right. Um, and if it was, you know, if you completely stripped it of everything... It really would just be no different than any other writer, which, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is up to you. Um, but, well, yeah, I, I just, don't know. You know how, like, some people ride the coattails of others? Mm -hmm. I think Brian Michael Bendis has been riding the coattails of his glory days with Miles Morales and, in my opinion, to a lesser extent, a much lesser extent, Daredevil. Um and he's just been cashing in on his name. And that's what publishers have been doing anyway, is just cashing in on his name as well for as long as they can. And that's sad because it's, it's, it's ruining the medium, backing, backing creators who can't follow through with ideas and, and lessen the content. Make, make a person finish reading a comic book, get confused, go all the way back to the beginning, read it all the way through again, and then say to themselves, I can't fucking believe I just spent $5 on this. <laughs> well, I, I think for me, it's, it's, um, cause I think I'm a little different where 
I think there are moments of like, oh, this could be interested. Again, there's it's, it's some. My, like I said, it's my I'm, biggest I'm problem. Yeah, it, my biggest problem with with his stuff, and I feel like every time we talk about a Bendis book, we're always going to go on this rant. But it's like, again, my biggest problem is, and I'll Guilty. say it until the day I die, it's like um, any original ideas that you have are just just demolished. Um, I was like trying to find the right word for it. Um, but yeah, they're just like demolished by inconsistencies and, and writing quirks that, again, aren't terrible, but you really need someone to rein them in, right? Like the scene with Aquaman, I think is the, the worst example of it, where it's just like literally just have an editor step in and say, why is that there? Why does that line need to be there? Okay. Is it excessive? And then they'd probably say, yeah, it's a little excessive. And then you say, okay, cut it out. And then the scene works fine. But if you just leave it there, you have, yeah, if you just leave it there and then you have multiple scenes like that, you kind of have a, well, I don't know, you just have a patchwork quilt of nothing. Pretty much. And in big books, especially big books like Justice League, you've got editors, but you've also got associate editors and group editors too. Yeah. There's no reason why that kind of stuff shouldn't be. Look, Bendis, we don't care about your name quite so much as making sure that our stuff can continue to make money well after you're gone. So take out 70% of this dialogue bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, maybe just, not just 70%. Scale it at least back. 35. Yeah, scale it back by a factor of five and, and you probably <laughs> right. have, a, a, I think, a decent a decent chapter, right? But but like I said, any yeah. any any interest that I have is just... just crushed by like you gotta say something here if it it's it's like that um oh my god it's um it's like that old quote that they used to have about how um marvel writers used to work back in the day where it's just like if you have characters in a panel they have to be talking yeah and it's like it's no crazy. N- not that, anymore that is the marvel method that's yeah it's absolutely where it's like insane. if they're not if they're not talking it's it's not it doesn't work and it's like well not necessarily right you can give people a moment to breathe especially if every single person says something in every single page you know what I mean it's like yep. you don't you don't need that that's excessive but anyway uh, final scores seven five hmm. yeah I had a seven on this I would have been lower but the art really bumped it up for yeah. me yeah. I, I ended up giving this one an eight because I was nice and because I, like I said, I'm still interested in the story and I really want to believe that you can take it there, that I can be optimistic about it. But if, if the next issue has that many just moments where it's like, oh my God, please just leave that out, then it's probably going to, my score is probably going to drop lower. But uh, with that out of the way, let's take a look at the Justice League Dark. At the Hall of Justice, the Justice League debates over the fate of the newly returned Etrigan. Does he have a place on the JLD, or is he a ticking time bomb waiting to be unleashed? The League is divided, but Batman ultimately makes the final call, saying he believes in Zatanna. After Batman and Superman give their full faith in Zatanna to do the right thing, Constantine clears up some of the mystery mystery around Merlin and his history. In a small bookshop, Merlin seeks out the words of Jorge Luis Borges, not for light reading, however, but 
to literally bring these words to life as he ends the life of a shopkeeper. After some final threatening words between Bats and Etrigan, the Justice League Dark set out to find Merlin, who, still at the shop, is about to have his first encounter with an old mystical friend of Detective Chimp, the ever-sorrowful, ever-mystical Ragman. Yes! Um, so, my thoughts. The art by Zermanico was totally awesome. This guy really knows how to bring horror, as well as the colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr., just really yeah. nails the horror of Merlin, especially when he kills the shopkeeper and his, you know, corpse is basically lying on the floor. Um, I, I thought that this scene with Etrigan and Batman was kind of comical, considering they're both like demonic weirdos, except one's a literal demon and one just dresses up like one. Right. Um, but it, was, it was kind of a fun yeah. moment. Um, I think so too. Yeah, Batman and Superman, both believing in Zatanna, was really sweet and encouraging. It's, it's Absolutely. seriously about time she took lead of the team. I think yep. she was briefly leader in the New 52 iteration of the Justice League Dark, but I don't yep. remember. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just good to see her take the lead, um, you know, in, in whole. And I can't wait to see Ragman, Zatanna, and the rest of the Justice League Dark absolutely tear it. into Merlin in the next issue. Um or, or maybe know. they'll get torn into. We'll have to see. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the Justice League endorsing Satana as the leader—that was awesome. Like you that said, that was dude. awesome. Yeah, the, yeah uh, JLD. Now keep in mind, there's no heavy hitters. There's no Wonder Woman. There's no Swamp Thing. Yeah, all the, there's Constantine, Etrigan, Detective Chimp, Zatanna, and Ragman. Yeah, Ragman really, the closest thing they have. Yeah, really, the closest thing they have to a heavy hitter is is Zatanna. Yes. In the other one, you have, you know, a huckster and a chimp with a sword. Yep, and a demon who, yeah, yeah. he can't exactly die, but he kind of has an attitude problem. Yeah, yeah, and he's not, I, I'm guessing he's not going to work too well with the team. Um, but Oh, my, I, think my, yeah, I think he'll definitely stay with it, though. Yeah, yeah, but um, uh, I love guys. Movie, dude. He, he keeps me glued to the page, Ram V, Zermanico yeah. drawing with oh, him. I've yeah. wanted that to happen since I started reading Ram V's stuff. The art is seriously a joy to look at. It really the is. story is awesome. I want this to go on forever until Ram V can't hold a pencil anymore. Like, for real. Not just not just at DC. I mean, like, physically. I want him to write until he's, like, 97. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, if my, my final thoughts were really just, like, why is this a backup? I, exactly. I don't understand. Yeah. It's so confusing to me. I'm glad that they're coming out in these installments. It's fun, but right. I, I just I don't understand. Like this story warrants a full issue. I, yeah, I really it could don't get it. Completely, 100% stand on its own. It absolutely could. On both Sorry. on both story and art. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Rob. I just I have an idea on that regard. Oh, yeah. For the future, why don't they make Justice League Dark the main story and Justice League the backup? That would be nice, but I don't know. It's, the only downside yeah. is the nine pages Bendis would have would just be full of. I that. mean, it, the thing, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. Imagine him having to condense his twenty pages into ten pages. It'd be a nightmare. But um, I, yeah, it it would be it would be interesting to see them do that. But personally, I don't think it'll ever happen because I mean, it's. The sad fact of the matter is it's it's the Justice League. It's the iconic premier super team of the, the DCU. And, you know, Justice League Dark will kind of always be seen as the weird offbeat. And um, even though it, it may have more importance and, and, I don't know, interest with us, it's 
you know, it, it, it's sad, but it just it'll never be as popular as the Justice League. So I guess, I guess this is just how it's going to be for a little while. Right. Do you guys remember the old, like, late 80s Superman comics that had the uh, Mr. McZimmelpix, uh in it that would show up and there'd just be like this little picture of McZimmelpick in the in the corner and there'd be these massive word bubbles that took up like half a page. Yeah. That would be Bendis as a backup. Yeah, exactly. Oh god. I don't even I don't even want I don't even want Bendis think would that. be Mixie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. But uh second story scores. I, I had this scored before only because it was such a short story and it was more of a setup mm. issue. Yeah, it, it is. There, there is very little that happens. It is a yeah, total yeah. setup issue towards the events that we saw in Future State, though. So that's gonna be cool to see him yeah. work it in. Which is why it I'm is just. Which is why I'm just like, why the fuck can't this be a full issue? Like, you could have <laughs> had the first half be setup and the second half be resolution. And now you essentially have to mm-hmm. wait for the next issue to get that resolution in addition to reading 20 pages of them going to the Naomi realm. I mean, okay, you keep saying the next issue is resolution. Is the next issue supposed to be the last backup issue for Justice? Oh, no, it's that? not. I just, I, it, by resolution, I mean they're finally going to get to meet Merlin, I assume. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, there's no telling how long that's going to be. Oh, yeah, no, I, I imagine JLD is probably going to go on for, for a good little while. Yeah, I mean, the 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 JLD that he wrote after Tynan left was fantastic, man. Yeah. I mean, I actually liked that a whole lot more when stacked up against Tynan. I Honestly, mean, yeah, no, I agree. It was really good. Uh, I've been waiting for this team for a long time. I don't know. Has this been on your fan casting ever, Ram V and Zermanico? I have literally asked for this team on the podcast, like multiple times. I I actually haven't. I mean, I guess I I don't know. Zermanico is like, I I knew of him. He was on my radar. He did the Black Star series with uh, Grant Morrison. That's kind of yeah. like my first time really seeing what he could do. He was but in I, the Death Metal series too. Yeah, yeah, the yeah the Justice League one. But I guess I I didn't really think of him doing Justice League Dark. Um, but it's interesting that you had kind of already saw that pairing because I it wasn't even on my radar. But they are they are a hell of a pairing. Fantastic horror artist, fantastic horror writer. Hell yeah! Yeah. Man. You know now now that I'm thinking about it, let me see a collaboration. And this is keeping Fayardo Jr. on the colors. Zermanico as an artist, and then a collaboration between Ram V and Joe Hill. Oh yeah, I'd love to see Joe Hill do. Uh, that's actually a really good idea. I'd love to see Joe Hill do something with the like the mystical characters or even Justice League Dark. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I um, I actually recently got to read um, Lock and Key. A friend, a family Isn't that friend of great? mine. Yeah, a family friend of mine sent it to me, and I've had it on my shelf for like forever. And I was like, one day I'm gonna get to it. And then I read it, and it was so fucking good. Um, for sure, man, that is such a good idea. Yep, I, I, I mean, I want, I would love to have Joe Hill ha- do a collaboration with Ram V because that's kind of out of Joe Hill's wheelhouse. Yeah, but he brings that certain creepy atmosphere to the setup. Yeah, yeah, and I that's agree. really all that Ram V's missing, man. Yeah, I, I wonder, would you, would you want to see Joe Hill and Ram V 
just do Justice League Dark or, or do something else as well? Oh, God. I mean, if you opened it up to an independent option or, like, a black label book, I'd yeah. read it. Oh, fuck yeah, I'd read it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd read it in hardcover format, dropping 40 bucks on it, and I'm not bullshitting. Yeah, no, because I was thinking, like, a horror book. I was thinking, like, jo- we, we just got Ragman in this issue, so you kind of, you opened the, the rabbit, not the rabbit hole, but you, you kind of have sent me going down the rabbit hole of, you know, what other stuff could he do, and I'm thinking he could do you know, a really great horror ragman book. Oh yeah. Hell yeah, yeah he could. Or uh I think he would I think he would do an amazing this is this of course oh god, I hammer on this all the time. But if they were to bring back the parliaments? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. Do you guys hear me? I mean yeah. did 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 his uh did his little run there uh what was the name of the imprint that was all of his books coming the up. Hill House? Hill House, that's yeah. what it was. Right. Yeah. Did, did they sell enough to invest in them? I hope so. Yeah. Because we, I think we have spit out some damn good ideas. Oh, yeah, no. And, yeah, Josh, I mean, you're, like, right on the money with the Justice League Dark collaboration. I, I'd pay good money to see that. Damn, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, honestly, if it was a slightly oversized issue... And I mean 35 to 40 pages per yeah. issue for the whole run. I would probably pay 8 to $10 for that. Oh, yeah. I, just to see, you know what I mean? And with that exact... Yeah. With that exact creative combo. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, Germanico, no, I'm... Germanico, Friardo, Joe Hill, and Rampy. Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm just I'm like, man, I was not even thinking Joe Hill at all. Because you're right. That is kind of out of his wheelhouse, but I, I would love to see it. Now I'm so curious. He wouldn't definitely need Ram V's yeah. influence. Mm-hmm. You know, just like Tyner. <laughs> Tyner. <laughs> Tyner. Just like Tynan really needed Scott Snyder's influence. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, I think it would work the same way. But if, if he got that, he could handle any mystical character or horror character oh, yeah. in, in all of the DC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Well, um,. Yes, second story scores, guys. What did you think? DC, thank you for doing this. Full stop, 9.5 out of 10. Yeah, I was going to give this a 7 out of 10 just for being such a short setup, but with, like, Ragman and just anybody that can write Etrigan and come up with so many rhymes every time he speaks, (laughs) you deserve such a great score. I got to give this a 9. Yeah, Absolutely. no, I ended up I ended up giving this one an, an eight point five out of ten. Just like you said, it definitely had some setup moments, but and I, and I wish it could have been longer. I think that was why I kind of docked it a little bit. Um, but um, now, now here's the thing: while we're all mentioning that, I don't I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but I didn't feel like I was getting less content. No, there, no. There just wasn't as many yeah. pages there. Yeah, I just, it, it, was, mm-hmm. it was more of a personal thing where it was like, I wish I could have had more. Yep. Like, I got yeah. this satisfying feeling that I wanted, but I would have liked to have, you know, had more to kind of, to, to digest for, for the month. Can we protest for this? DC support Ram V. DC support Ram V. <laughs> or, or even better, DC support JLD. There you Ooh. go. That's what I want. Yes. Um, but yeah, what were your final scores slash any final thoughts? 
the first one brought this issue down to an 8.5 for me. Uh, yeah, it's the two together. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. JLD definitely brings it up, and the art for the Justice League main brings it up. I, I, I'll give it an 8 yeah. for the whole book. Now, mine averaged out to 8.25, which I think is fair. But yeah, before we close out, we'd like to give a brief shout out to a digital first series coming out of Infinite Frontier, uh, Infinite Frontier Secret Files number one, starring President Superman. So Josh, with that in mind, what's up on Earth-23? Just a quick little glimpse into it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. uh, the story came from Brandon Thomas with art from Valentine Delandro, Marisa Louise, and Triona Farrell who that last one there is not somebody I'm familiar with at all, mm -hmm. but I really like the job done here. I assume that the purpose of this whole series is to just give us a one-shot glimpse into the different characters that are out there in the Omniverse that were probably seen in Future State, but maybe they didn't get a one-shot at that time. Mm -hmm. It seems to be taking place as Director Bones listens to tapes, cassette tapes, what the hell, <laughs> Uh, but they're in a shabby office at the Department of Extra Normal Operations. The art in this one is simple with thick lines in a style kind of similar to what we saw in the Metropolis Menagerie back in the backup stories to Future State. Do you remember those? Yeah, I, I think so. I like think it the might Mr. be the America ones. Yeah, it might be the same artist. I'm not. I'm not sure. If it is, I mean, it, it looks very similar, but it looks like it's done better, so I do enjoy this one more. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, the story features Calvin Ellis. He is the Superman of Earth-23, as Brandon said. He also happens to be the United States president. Mm -hmm. There's really not a lot that does happen here, but we do see some things laid out that, other than the presidency, kind of sets Calvin Ellis apart from Clark Kent. A big one is that he has a fortress of solitude in the form of a key that he can oh. use to turn any door into a, what do they call that, a hyperbolic chamber? Uh, it's soundless, lightless, thoughtless void, and he just goes in there for a few minutes at a time, and he comes back out completely rejuvenated. This dude goes nonstop. He's Superman all the time. He's got a house and a family that he takes care of, and he's the president of the United States. Uh, this is one of my favorite alternate versions of Superman, so I kind of like the fact that he's getting his due. Now, I, I've heard that J.J. Abrams... I've heard that J.J. Abrams is changing up the format of what we've seen in Superman stories and getting us an African-American Superman, mm -hmm. but I also heard that it won't be Calvin Ellis. So I'm not I'm not familiar with any other comic book character that is black. So I guess this is gonna be a brand new creation. Uh, it it could be um Val Zod from Earth Two. Yeah. Oh, uh, from the I, New Fifty Two. Yeah, no, I looked that one up, but yeah, no, it's not Val Zod. Okay. He, yeah, that's no, the other the, one the, that he declined. Going, it. Yeah, it, or it could just the going theory is. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, that's the going theory is that it's uh an original character i think that was said in in one of the interviews i was reading that is going to be completely original character how do you guys feel about that i mean it it could be an interesting backstory i guess we'll just have to see yeah. but then again i mean i don't know i was not the biggest fan of 
some of J.J. Abrams' Star Wars films, so my faith in him as a writer and a director is not high at all. Right. Like, um, he's hit or miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah very hit or miss. Um, especially the, both with the Star Trek films and the Star Wars films, ironically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But, yeah, yeah no, this... Um, this this looked like an interesting read. Um, Rob, did you get a chance to read this one? I got a chance to kind of flip through it, but I had not get a chance to really sit down and read it thoroughly. Yeah, no, I. But I, I do love me some Calvin. Yeah, no, I, I only briefly got to skim through it, but I, I was excited, Josh, when you said that um, it was it was a secret file story featuring Calvin Ellis because he's like I said, super cool character, and then of he course really is, me being. Man. The Grant Morrison fan that I am, super big part of the multiversity. If you've ever gotten a chance to read that, so um, definitely, definitely a big fan. Definitely a super cool character. Yeah, um, give him a Google and pick up titles featuring him. He oh, yeah. he is probably my he. If not, I'm having a hard time thinking of other alternate universe Superman that I'm a huge fan of. Um, but Calvin Ellis is one of them. And I'm having a trouble coming up with anybody else right now. But anyway, I mean, uh, they they did a couple things different here. They drew him a bit older, mm-hmm. which I, that's not something we usually see. This guy, this time, looks like he's 40-ish. So <laughs> I dig that. That yeah. fits his character a whole lot better. And uh, regardless of what direction that they're going with, I'm I'm kind of ticked off that we're not getting Calvin Ellis. And I think that that is, excuse my French, but I think... <laughs> I think that's just J.J. Abrams being a fucking pussy about not representing an established comic book character correctly on screen. And that pisses me off. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I mean, again, I don't really, I don't know too much about the details behind the film, but I I can say that if that is the case, it's definitely a missed opportunity because I think you could tell a really great story about a a President Superman. I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of, uh, Mm -hmm. of Calvin for me is, the idea of having responsibility of one of the most powerful countries in the world, in addition to being one of the most powerful people in the world. Right. Um, and you have to juggle those two responsibilities, um, you know, without end, uh, which sounds like that was kind of discussed a lot in this issue. Um, so, yeah, yeah it, I feel like it would be a missed opportunity if you didn't go for that. I mean, again, maybe you have a really unique story to tell. I'm not putting a lot of faith in Abrams' ability to tell original stories, but um, yeah, who knows? No. Now I'll take a Galvin Elvis movie all day long. Great character. Yeah. Uh, mm. I guess the person that is in the front running for the Superman movie is Michael B. Jordan, mm. who I happen to think is one of the shittiest actors currently oh. working today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn. Yes, there are so many other people that could play the role of a black Superman, Kelvin Ellis or not, and I oh, just don't let it be Michael B. Jordan or Tyrese, either or, please, nice. <laughs> neither neither <laughs> one of them. I, I wouldn't mind John Boyega. I'm a fan of his, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. That, I don't know. I guess. Be... I guess it would just for me. It would depend on. Um, the script and the story because I think even with actors that maybe aren't the best they can definitely be elevated by a a really strong story something that ties it all together Um, like I guess we're going on a tangent but um, like people people will go you know people will give um, you know Adam Sandler a lot of shit 
um, for terrible, terrible roles, and, and there are many. But if it's if it's the right script, if it's an It'll interesting Halloween. story, he can really elevate the the performance and elevate the story, like um, like in Hidden Gems. I mean, uncut I, gems. Whoa! Yeah. What the hell? That's that's totally possible. But I just don't think Michael B. Jordan is the best delivery system. Yeah, I don't know. You know, now now for a a character like um oh crap, what's his name? Is it Warmonger? Uh, the Black Panther villain. Mm-hmm. Warmonger. Uh, yeah, Killmonger. Oh God. Killmonger. Killmonger. That's what it is. I'm sorry. For for a character like that, because because Jordan's got such a an obnoxious, loud boastful personality he fits a character like warmonger that's not the kind of person that should be superman i mean didn't warner brothers back out of the man of steel because they didn't want such a gritty hard-hitting superman it just doesn't make any sense yeah well i i think if you're gonna reboot your uh your franchise the last thing you want to do is have another gritty aggressive superman um it just it 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 wouldn't really, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it would really work right now, especially with all these shows that we have that are about gritty, <laughs> angry Superman. Uh, it just right. seem not only would it seem redundant, but it it would it would just be like, well, you know, these other shows. I'm just gonna say it. A show like The Boys would kind of be validated if you had yet another uh, gritty, aggressive Superman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think we need that. I just, I don't know. I Have you guys, am, am I just being a fucking turd? Have you guys ever seen Michael B. Jordan not be that kind of character? I mean, am, is do I only have, like, one leg I mean, to stand I, on I, here? I really only know him from, from Black Panther, so I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't have a huge frame of reference, but... Um... No, I, I could see what you're saying. Like, his personality would definitely be suited something to more, like, Johnny Storm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I guess that I did see good. him in Fan Four Stick, but I kind of blocked that movie from my memory. Yeah. <laughs> but he, if he had to pick any good part about that movie, it might have been. Oh, his I don't know. I feel like I'd have to. But that script was just yeah, comb pretty hard to pick a like. That's the thing. I barely even remember it because it was just. Right, yeah. like, if it's, how, if it's uh, something that's like so incredibly bad, I try and forget about it just because I don't want to. I don't want it to think about it, but. Uh, you call it fan four stick, and I've just gotten accustomed to calling it fan four. Yeah, no, that's more appropriate, I'd say. There you go. Yeah. Are you guys aware of a of a Fantastic Four film in development by Disney? Have you guys heard any rumors about that? I, I have there's not. There's one coming. Oh, there is for sure. But but it's it's years away, mm. and there's been fan casts and theory casts for a couple of years now. But they have said their last time, and this is pre-pandemic, which feels ages ago, the last time they had their big uh, press release show in a theater and they were talking about all their next big projects, they said that uh, Mutants and Fantastic Four are coming. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. But who knows when. Yeah. Well, anyway, now that we've got that out of the way, let's uh, break down our top three books for this week in a standout moment if you have one. Uh, Rob, why don't you get us started? Right, my top three. So starting at number three, I had The Flash. It was fun. It was flashy. Uh, just not the best this week for me. Mm-hmm. Number two was Catwoman. A lot better. Complete opposite with the flashiness is more dark. It's more mysterious. It's got that gritty noir feel like Josh said earlier. It, it's a lot of fun. And Ram hitting it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And number one, 
Our boy Nightwing. The man with the plan. <laughs> and the man with the butt. <laughs> <laughs> Huge Tom Taylor fan. He he sold me on DC Stallone, and I'm a forever Tom Taylor mm-hmm. stan myself. Yep. And I'm a, I'm a Dick Grayson stan. I, it, it's just a match made in heaven, so this is a number one Very cool. for me. And my, my best panel, honestly, is going to Nightwing as well. That opening page with him jumping from the rooftop and it's just him through the ages through his different costumes i thought that was that was really yeah nice touch. yeah no classic no classic uh pre new 52 bloodhaven nightwing design which was a bit unfortunate but um mm-hmm. you know it is what it is i'm gonna i'm gonna miss that they're like they're like i don't know i i i'm this is the part where I, I get to I get to geek out about that because it's like every time they'll do like a transformation sequence of him and the various costumes, I'm always like there are like five other costumes they could put in they could put in the one from Grayson they could put in his Batman costume they could put in the one from the '90s where it was like he had the ponytail and everything there there are like right. five other costumes that <laughs> I I no they could include but they won't just because it's like who cares and I'm, I'm fine with that but like i don't know it's always the in the back of my costume head. i call that pirate nightwing yeah 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 exactly you you've heard about the gotham knights game coming soon eventually oh, yeah. yeah eventually right so i'm following the subreddit for that and there's there's always been no news so it's all just people Every day, there's just people posting. I want this suit, <laughs> this suit, and it's just the amount of Nightwing suits that have been posted. It's amazing how many different costumes this man has had over the years. Yeah, yeah there's a lot, and they're all great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he's had a, he's had a lot of costumes. But uh, Josh, what were your top three for this week and your favorite moment? In third place, it's gonna be Justice League. Mm-hmm. That. That Justice League Dark story really brought up the issue, even though oh, it had yeah. fewer pages. So somebody in marketing and publishing, take a fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> get, and get on your Joe Hill idea. Yeah, right, for sure, man. And uh, second place is going to go Catwoman, man. That one knocked it out of the park, and the only reason why Catwoman did not get number one is because Nightwing was so fantastic. Oh yeah, 100% fantastic. And my favorite moment's going to have to be that full splash page of Ragman, dude. That looked so mm. fucking good. I love the way he's drawn. Those two are literally meant to work together. Love it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Josh. My my top 3 are pretty much the same. At number 3, I had Justice League number 60 pretty much just for that Justice League dark story and moments small moments in in bendis's initial story but again just just crushed by everything else that bothered it at number two i had catwoman rom v and team make this book so excellent to read and so much fun um and then of course number one i had to give it to nightwing as i will do probably every time there's an issue of nightwing uh um and my favorite moment of the week had to go to the double page spread of uh Nightwing in motion. I made it no secret that I thought it was just such an excellently draw panel, and uh, and it's it's just great, just absolutely great. But well, that was fun. We have something that's even more fun. You know what it's time for? It's time for the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Which title made your stink list today, Rob? 
all you can all guess yeah. justice league. Uh, yeah as much as jld was fantastic <laughs> and the art in the book was great i i'm just i'm done with the dialogue yeah i get I you really am. so many pauses so many unnecessary pauses. yeah it's just it, it can be yeah it can definitely be just just excessive yep it's unfortunate that that uh, v has to be paired with bendis yeah, I know, I know. I would not be happy, but uh, Josh, what title made you think list this week? Well, I wanted, I wanted, to, I wanted to make my stink list now because I want Bendis to be swapped out for like Mark Wade. But in any case, <laughs> in any case, the stinker I picked today, PU, is gonna be well. Okay, look, it's not terrible as an issue itself. But it's not really an opening issue or a setup issue because that happened last issue. So this one just feels like it's kind of stalled out, and it's gonna—it's the Flash. I, I'm gonna keep reading it, of course, because I love the Flash, and I'm stupid, so I keep giving them mm-hmm. my money for no reason. But until I get proof of actually storytelling and progression, the Flash is going to continue to rank low on my score, even with fantastic art. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I. I didn't have a bad time with this issue, um, and I, I there were some moments that I really liked between Flash and Gold Beetle, but it was definitely um, filler isn't the right word. It just I don't know. It's um, oh I'm gonna make an epic joke. It was running in place. <laughs> that's what that's it. It's running in place. That's exactly yes. what it was doing. Where it's just uh, not going forward, not going yep. backward. Stalled out. Yes. Stuck in neutral. Yep. 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 Any final thoughts, guys? Quit doing that to the Flash. I don't <laughs> care. Just because that's Wally doesn't mean you get to start over for another five fucking years yeah. keeping him running in place. I don't care if it's on Cosmic Treadmill or not. <laughs> Do something with him. Yeah, please. This is ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> but keep doing this tonight. <laughs> but please keep doing this tonight, Wayne. And everyone out there, for the sake of comic books and good storytelling... Please, please, please vote against the Robins book. <laughs> There's three oh, other options out there. Yeah. We do not need... Okay, here's the whole thing. I don't think anybody is going to the DCUniverse.com website and actually reading the descriptions of this book. The description of this book is simply the Robins sit around a table at a coffee shop. Done. Done. I, presumably there's going to be more story. I'm guessing that's just like the basic, yeah, yeah, the basic Are you pitch. sure? Because, I mean, if you, everybody else's story, everybody else's basic plot is fleshed out a whole bunch. The Robin's book says, cappuccinos. Yeah, no, I, I doubt I doubt they're just going to have a, a, you know, potentially a six-issue series of them just drinking coffee. Like, I'm sure, well, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be something. and exploring and exchanging yeah, feelings yeah, and all I'm of sure that, there's going to but... be more involved but but like i've said about 15 million times if you want to do that you have a robin book once you're done telling the league of lazarus story with damien just have an arc that's about him and the other robins it's really not that complicated exactly or maybe you know what would be cool is if both of them dropped the robin moniker and what was it uh red uh, uh red wing and jaybird they could they could oh, yeah. adopt those identities, mm-hmm. those being 
Tim Drake and Damien. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Because um, really, those those are the only. Well, Tim Drake's the only inactive member of the Bat Family. Yeah. Everybody yeah, else or, has pretty much got a book. Red yeah. Hood is dominating urban legends. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else is uh, is busy. I think Tim has a story coming up in urban legends, but. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have to see. Hopefully, they stop pooping on him too. <laughs> yeah. And oh, there's there's always oh. one. <laughs> yeah, there's always one. There's always one. And that's the show. We hope you had fun. We definitely did. Come back mm-hmm. next week for more DC Comics talk when we'll be reviewing Batman Superman number 17, Harley Quinn number 2, Detective Comics number 1035, Robin number 1, Teen Titans Academy number 2, and Action Comics number 1030. We'll be here talking comics and we dearly hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. And with that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Just stop it, I'm